Welcome back to The Talk, the podcast about Nordic entrepreneurship from Nordea Private Banking. Electric vehicles have been a major area of innovation over the past years, not least here in the Nordics with companies like Polestar for cars, Cake for motorcycles and Xshore for boats. But another perhaps lesser known company is quickly on the rise in the area of electric powertrains for boats that can be either mounted in new boats or for repowering existing boats. The company I'm talking about is Evoy from Norway. And here is Evoy's co-founder and CEO, Leif A. Stavestrand. So Leif, you are developing electric powertrains for boats. Yeah, how hard can it be, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, we've had electric boat people here on before with Conrad Bergstrom of Xshore was one of the earlier guests we had. But I guess this, maybe it's a small world. Uh, is, do you guys all know each other? Pretty much. Uh, it is It is a small, it's it's a niche for now. Uh, there's probably about 5,000 boat builders in the world and around a dozen of them do electric full-time. And then there's a lot of people tapping into it as of now. I love boats, uh, as, as we talked about before, but I have an old uh, Bertram 26 from the 80s or 90s. How easy would it be for me to retrofit uh, new electric engines for that boat, do you think? So it's uh, we've been working hard to make it as simple as possible. Uh, so in, in our generations of systems, we've moved from something that is, uh, well, it was, uh, you needed an electrician to do it, there was a lot of boxes here and there, but we're now at a point where uh, we're happy to say that our, our systems are more or less plug and play. So it means that uh, it is actually fairly simple to do, also do uh, retrofits as it is now. It's pretty pretty simple to, to install, actually. Uh, the main challenge is uh, placing the batteries, but quite often we see that they fit quite well where you used to have your fuel tank. So actually, uh, retrofits is, is definitely going to be an important part of what we do in, in the near future. Yeah, I'm excited about that because it feels, it doesn't feel too great with the environment, but it also doesn't feel too great with the fuel prices right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a squeeze from both ends uh, yeah. towards going electric. So, uh, and we, we hear that tons here in Norway where we have so many electric cars, right? We have the highest electric car density in the world. They've electrified everything in their life, even like the lawnmower and their bikes. And like the last remaining thing now is is, uh, is the boat. So there's a lot of push to go in that direction for sure. You know, when we moved into this a few years ago, then our hypothesis was that uh, what the customers would enjoy most after getting their systems was um, less cost. So it's so much just kind of an ease of mind, right, to, to drive. Uh, with like 60, 70, 80% less cost. But the feedback from, from our customers has actually been uh, the silence, uh, just being quiet. And most of our customers today are in the commercial market. So uh, for them, that's using the boats every day, multiple times, just having that sound gone yeah. is, is just a huge difference in how they work, right? What, what about weight? Will the net weight be higher or lower with electricity? I can't really tell because this fuel tank on the boat is so big, you know. And well, there is. Uh, we can take an example from our largest system, so the the what we call the hurricane. So the motor there is about four hundred horsepower in continuous, and it's uh, up to eight hundred horsepower in, in peak. Uh, if you look at a Volvo Penta. 400 horsepower, D6, uh, which is uh, equivalent power to what we have. 
Then uh, one of those are like 650 kilos dry, I believe. So you save a lot of weight on the motor. Typically what we see is if you had a Volvo Penta D6 400 and swapped it towards electric and you took out your full diesel tank, uh, usually you would have about 100 or 200 kilos extra. So it's not, it's not a huge difference, but it is, um, it is noticeable, so to speak, but not to an extent where it gets annoying, I would say. What are we looking at in terms of cost? I know that's a, a hard question to answer, but what's the order of magnitude there? If I let's say I would change out my two D three one nineties for for a system from you guys, dual installation on that small boats are not that common anymore, at least for frame boards. So I think we would recommend a little rebuild to a single. So our motor system with two batteries are one point four million knock, and right now there is no incentives uh, to to go electric for boats yet uh, for the private market. There is for professionals, but not for the private market. So. Typical similar installation from uh, Volvo Penta would be six, seven hundred thousand. So it is, um, it's about double price. Right. So in Norway, you are driving a ton of electric cars. And that is because of the subsidies, right? And all the incentives that they, they had from, from the government. Yeah. Do you, do you see that coming to boats also or no? Everything that can be electrified will be electrified. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's just a matter of time. So I'm not sure if the government in Norway necessarily are going to come with um, these type of incentives. Uh, but what we do see, there's a big shift and big movement all over Europe where more and more uh, waterways uh, as rivers and lakes are getting closed. And we also see harbors. Holland now, they tell me that by 2028, both Rotterdam and Amsterdam, which is uh, among the biggest ports in the world, are going to be closed for... Uh, smaller boats, so um, uh, with with gasoline or, or diesel. So there there is definitely a shift going in that direction. Uh, how quickly it goes depends, of course, on volume and incentives, uh, basically. For us, we're not too stressed either way because we see that we're we're riding the the wave no matter what. You talked to Conrad before. What they're doing is great, of course. Um, they're building boats while we're building systems that you can put into any boat. I don't think you have to be a big uh, wizard to, to see that uh, this this is going in direction electric. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's fun to see so many great companies from the Nordic countries. Also, how did you how did you get into this? I have a background as uh, as a fish farmer, sailor, seaman, uh, and uh, decided to go the the route through to shipping. So I started at uh, at the very bottom and went all the grades. Uh, spent a few years on deck, working on deck, and then went to the bridge and got myself up to uh, sea captain. So that was the main focus, and that's where my career went. Uh, and along the way, I just read up on things that made me really, really worried about the global warming. Uh, and that kind of became a, a worry, but also a, a hobby to to follow the macro market on what was going on there. And, and I also did a year of... Um, electrical training uh, at high school so all of these things kind of combined and we understood that uh, this is the way it's going and we have this legendary whiskey workshop night me and my dad in the mid-2000s where we we want to design this electric boat and we figured there wasn't really anything off the shelf worldwide at that point 
And yeah, the idea was there and we just kept falling the market. And all the way to 2017, there was still nobody that had grabbed a hold of this uh, market and uh, said, well, how hard can it be, right? Uh, and it turned out to be actually really, really hard. <laughs> so, but uh, hey, uh, now we're here. We're getting more inbound than we can handle. And it's uh, yeah, great fun. That's what all, all the entrepreneurs I talk to say the same thing. If I knew how hard it was, I actually wouldn't have done it. And I yeah. think, yeah, the, the job of, of entrepreneurs in society is to be the optimist, right? Yeah, it's a uh, curse as much as it's... Uh, <laughs> to to be an optimist is uh great and this would venture it never would have started if i wasn't an optimist but sometimes i'm kicking myself i don't know did you really have to <laughs> yeah you make both inboards and you make outboards right i mean we've all seen this huge move from inboards to outboards and are we moving back to inboards now again that is a very interesting question um I think it's different from market to market. The US, I think it's very hard to convince that uh, inboards is a good idea because the momentum in the outboards is just so immense. Uh, however, we see definitely a push um, on a lot of the European boat builders that we work together with that they see also quite great advantages going for inboards. Uh, it's easier, especially with electric, because there's no maintenance, then they can kind of tuck away the motor it's really small so they can make a flush deck and it makes it easier to play around with the interior and design of the boat so it doesn't necessarily have to look all the way the same that all the other boats have uh, so as an example on our first demo boat um, we decided to make a complete flush deck from bow to stern uh, including the the swimming platform and it just because we could, this boat builder has built uh, many hundred boats in the past years, and they've never done this before. They could never make a flush deck before. And it just makes a lot of options to play around with design. So I think there will be over time, it might take a bit of time, but I think over time we will see a shift back towards uh, inboards, yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, I guess Xshore is a great example of, of benefits of, of inboards with their design. Exactly, yeah. And I think also that actually, in, at least in, in up here in, in Sweden, we have a huge problem with uh, with theft of outboards. The, the insurance companies should should uh, subsidize your, your inboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll see how they tax this and where they, where they put the, the taxing on it over time. But uh, no, I, I think we definitely will see a shift towards inboard uh, in a larger degree in, in the years to come. So, so what's next for you now? What, what, is, what is the big big project coming up next? Yeah, we got a million things uh, going on and it's a very, very hard prioritization. Um, so we're kind of shifting now from having three, four years behind us as a purely R&D company. Uh, we did our first customer a year ago. Uh, and now we're kind of shifting from being an R&D company to a production company. That shift hurts, not just because it's a different focus on what the outcome is, but also you have crews on board that's used to being in a happy-go-lucky R&D world where it's uh, fun, it's, uh, you're just trying to find being creative, finding nice solutions, and then you're trying to make it or standardized and get everything into a system. And uh, it is it is a challenge. Um, but then again, we've done huge drives on this the last year. And uh, I think uh, for anyone coming in and 
looking upon us now and seeing what we're doing, they will see that we've come a very, very long way. And the challenge now is to manage to keep the R&D running on the side uh, so that we can keep up with producing still new products, optimizing the ones that we have, uh, and just keeping the interest for what we're doing. And uh, it's, it's a tough balance. Yeah, I can imagine. But uh, so far, so good. So we will have some prototypes uh, showing up for, for new customers, for new sectors in, in the months and years to come. You know, you're, you're leading the charge, but I'm sure that you know, Mercury and all the others are obviously looking into this as well. So the, I guess the competition will become quite intense too. For sure. That's why traction and, and speed is, is important. The bigger players will move with time. We know that, but it's it's if we play our cards right now, we have the opportunity to go into become a global brand. And that's really what we aim to do, and then we'll see what happens with bigger players underway. But uh, I'm not that shocked if they uh, are a bit slow. I think we'll see about the same thing as we saw in the car world that in a disruptive place where a lot of things are happening, then they might actually let. Some some of the startups succeed, come up, uh, just because it's so immensely costly to be in the front. So I'm not sure. I don't think we'll see any of the big ones move into our space right yet. No, no. I think that you're right. If you look at the car world, that exact that's exactly what happened there. Like they, they let Tesla go all the way to, to be surpassing everybody before they actually got on board. Then again, uh, we have to remember that Tesla is only one percent approximately of the cars being produced today. But uh, when you talk, uh, why why do you start a company? What's your ultimate goal? If you ask some, they would say that your ultimate goal is to create value for your shareholders. Uh, and when you think about it like that, uh, then Tesla is not the right thing. So I think some of the vote makers and their boards uh, might move quicker than what we saw in the car industry. Well, it's super exciting to see. I think you know the Nordic countries are certainly becoming a hotbed for electric bikes and cars and boats and um, you know powertrains as you do, and that's um, you know something for us all to be proud of. So you know I, I'm uh, I won't take up more of your time now that you're changing the world and all that. I know that you're a very busy man and I'm super grateful that you took the time to to come on and, and talk to us a little bit about this. My pleasure, Walter. Have a nice evening.